Good morning. morning. Welcome home and welcome to the avenue. So good to be here this morning. Beautiful. Summer is almost here and exciting time to be living in Houston and in this area. So just so good to be here with each one of you as you begin to make some vacation plans and travel out as well. But I want you to know we have a lot of great things happening here at the avenue throughout the summer as well. So as you get rest and relaxation and recharge those batteries and your kids are running everywhere and you do a couple vacations or whatever you might do, a staycation, whatever it might be, know that we have a lot going on here as well. And you, we want you to be uh, included in that as this community continues to move people from where they are to where God wants them to be. A couple of those things look like this. Next Sunday, we have one service because it's family fun day. So you got to make sure you look at, look at somebody. Everybody sitting next to somebody. Tell them, one service, 10 o'clock. One service, 10 o'clock. Not 9 o'clock. Not 10.30. Not 10.30. Y'all still talking to each other. <laughs> one service, 10 o'clock. Come on, hang out. We're going to have one service. Water baptisms to follow. If you're looking to be baptized in water, if you have made a decision, listen to me, if you've made a decision to follow Christ and put your faith, hope, and trust in Him, your next step is to be baptized in water. And we would love to have that opportunity here to do it for you at the end of the service. Maybe since, maybe you say, well, I did that as a child, or maybe, you know, I, I, but if, if, and I believe that as you're an adult, as you make decisions based upon where you are right now, it's okay to go back and reaffirm that. Water baptism is going public with a private decision. Your decision for Christ to follow him, become a, a disciple of Jesus, is a personal private decision that only you can make. Your mom can't make it for you. Your spouse can't make it for you. You make that decision. And when you do, then you go public with that and tell, tell the world, I'm a follower of Jesus. And being baptized in water is one of those ways that you go public. Maybe, though, since then, you, you've, de- you've done that. But maybe you've seen something else happen in your life. You went to Freedom Conference and found something happened. Something significant happened. I've been baptized multiple times. First time, I think, eight years old. And since then, it was, I did it again in my 20s. It's okay to say, you know what, I want to reaffirm this. God has done something significant in my life, and so I want to show that by water baptism as well. So inviting you, make sure you uh, sign up online at our website, myavenue.church. You'll see a link there for the water baptisms, and we would have the honor of doing that next Sunday. Also, take note, in July, Surge Youth Conference is happening. Mom and Dad, you want your students here, 6th to 12th grade. This is one of those ones where you just tell your kids, you are going put some cash in their pocket, and send them on their way. And you say, hey, have a great time when you get home. If you're still mad at me then, we'll talk about it. I promise you they won't be. And if they are, I'll talk to them. I don't mind. They're going to have a great time. Some, one parent did tell me, last year we did make our kids go, like you said, and we sent them, and they loved it. I'm telling you, your kids will love going to the youth conference. It is life-changing as a youth pastor. And as a teenager in church, summer camps and youth conferences are the highlight of the year. So we're partnering with a church in Baytown, uh, and they are putting on a conference. We went to it last year. It's top-notch. It's wonderful. They'll love it there. Uh, It's July 10, 11, 12. If you don't have a student, but you want to sponsor one to go, come see me and let me know. There are some students that will need sponsorships as well, and we'd love to be generous towards students that need that scholarship as well. Parents, one more announcement. As you know, Albert and Brittany are taking over our youth now. They're our new youth directors. Come on, put your hands together. We love what they're doing. We're so proud of you guys. 
And they are hosting their very first youth small group tonight in their home at 5.30. So make sure your students are there as well. I heard that every student is eligible. There will be $100 given away in a gift card tonight. So rumor has it. Rumor has it. Have your kids there. Get them in line. Come on, get some summer clothes, summer kicks. 100 bucks go a long way for them kids. If you got your Bible, turn with me to the book of James. We are in a series called James. We didn't come up with a unique, a unique, cool, snazzy way of saying it. We just called it James. Because James just hits hard no matter what. Somebody texted me this week and said, I read it in the message. It goes even harder in the message translation. James goes harder. He comes in and it's where the rubber meets the road. James is the stepbrother of Jesus. He writes this book, and in this book, he really just goes from topic to topic and bounces around a lot. He doesn't really follow a specific pattern. He kind of moves around a little bit and drops this nugget here and drops this nugget here and lays this stuff out. Then he circles back around, and he'll touch on it again over here. In week one, we talked about testing. The testing of your faith produces endurance, and each one of us can be made perfect and whole, lacking nothing as we pass the test. Last week we talked about temptation. That was exciting, wasn't it? Yeah. Talking about temptation and the temptation that comes our way. We are not in sin when we're tempted, but we buy into sin when we then allow that temptation to manifest into something that we act upon. This morning I want to kind of dive into something else that every one of us have a problem with. Oh, it's going to be exciting including your shoe. Like your boy has a big problem with this one. Like this one is just, this one right here is going it, to, it, even as I studied it, I was like, dear God, I got to stop and pray for myself right now. Get the oil out right there. I need some of that. We're going to talk about this morning, like the idea, we went from testing to temptation, and James drop, drops his little nugget and then from there, he goes into, he really expands on it chapters later, so we're going to pull, pull out of it. But the words you speak and what you say are so important. The power of the tongue. I called this message, Watch What You Say, because the world you live in is framed by what you say. Where you are right now is, and I believe this, is a manifestation. You have brought yourself to the place. You have spoken the world you're living to in into existence. You have said things that have created this. Now, now, we don't have the power to walk around and magically do this, but there's something that happens inside of us that we begin to believe what we're saying, and we can speak by faith, or we can speak by doubt. You can be positive, and you can be negative. You can walk in the spirit, or you can walk in the flesh. There's, uh, there's practical ways of saying it. There's spiritual ways of saying it. But no matter how we say it, the Bible says there's life and death in the power of the tongue. And those that know it eat the fruit of it. You are living in the world you framed up and created by what you've said. I want to dive into this this morning. I'm telling you, it's going to hit all of us, each one of us, because every day... My mouth wants to get in the way. Come on. Come on. How many of y'all in the last two weeks have said something you regretted? Liars if you didn't lift your hand up. <laughs> Next week we'll go into that one. All of us have. We've all said something like, oh, man, I shouldn't have said. I did it yesterday. I did it the day before. 
It's funny how like when you're pulling these things out, you're studying, things get highlighted in your life. This thought that James drops for us right here, this concept, this, this idea that he gives us that our words are so powerful, they either align with God's purposes or with the enemy's plans. Your words don't land in the middle. They land over here and go, I am uh, speaking into existence God's purposes in my life. Or I'm aligning myself with the enemy's plans for my life. Because your enemy, the devil, has plans for your life, and God does. And your words really follow the trail of which one you're choosing. Oh, that, I know, I know, I know. That's really harsh. That's really hard. But when, when, you, when you sift through it, you'll realize everything coming out of your mouth Oh, I can't wait. Comes from another place. And what you speak is a sign of what you believe inside. James says it like this. He says in verse 1, chapter 1, verse 13. I'm sorry, jump up to verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. I didn't realize it was like, that's just not... Quick to listen, slow to speak, and if you are slow to speak, you will become slow to become angry. Watch how many times your anger is kindled and quickly enraged by how fast you speak and how slow you listen. But he says, if you'll be quick to listen, slow to speak, mama said I got two ears and one mouth, so I listen twice as much as I talk. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Jump ahead to verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. That's a strong statement. Religion that our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for what you're doing in this space. God, we thank you for being so real to us. God, change us today from the inside out. Let the words that we say begin to frame the world that you want us to live in so we're in alignment with your purposes and plans for our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. We've all said things that we have regretted. We've all said things that we wish we hadn't said. We've all done things that line up with that. And each child is different. And the way that we were raised, the way that we're raising our kids generationally is always going to have a little different look and feel. But I just want to go back in time a little bit. Last, mother, last Sunday was Mother's Day, so I probably wouldn't have told this story then, but today I'm going to tell my mom. <laughs> I love you, mom. Have you ever, how many of y'all, like, when dad, and then maybe you were raised in a two-parent two, two home, maybe you weren't, but in my home, I was, mom and dad were both there, present. Dad had one way, one way of discipline, the belt. Now, there were groundings and groundings, but, but it was the belt. It was, it was, it was the belt. There was at one point a paddle, and that broke somehow. Then there was the belt. Mom could get creative. 
Mom had a wooden spoon. Mom had a slipper. Come on, somebody. Mom would be flipping pancakes. Boom. (laughs) Boom. Could hit you across the house with a shoe. But mom also had this thing, and I don't know how many of y'all this really happened to, but yours truly. How many of y'all got soap in the mouth for saying stuff you shouldn't have said? How many of y'all would dare put soap in your kid's mouth today? You can say, I see you. <laughs> I knew you would, Justin. I knew you would. <laughs> I, like, I got actual soap in the mouth. I remember one time my brother, my mom, he said something. I don't remember if he lied or what it was that he said. He's older brother. He said something, and she made him drink vinegar. Oh, yeah. Oh, I wish apple cider vinegar had existed back then. And it probably did. But he drank vinegar, and he was swishing it around. And, and I mean, just he was just a tough guy. Like, mm. And I was like, oh. And then it was my turn. And then, like, I mean, just exorcism of demons came out. You know, just, just going crazy. I hate vinegar. And I looked at him, and I was like, man, how did he do that? I didn't know he liked vinegar. And he kept that secret as long as he could. Because my mom kept like, drink some more vinegar. He's like, okay. (laughs) Because what was the purpose of it? It was a discipline for our mouth to teach us, watch what you say. Be careful of what you say. Not just in the sense of lying, but the words that you're speaking. Not just in the sense of a curse word, but the words that you're speaking over your life, about your life, over somebody else's life, into the world that you're living in and shaping and framing the world that you see based upon what you are saying. It was a lesson to help us understand that my words are vital to my existence in the world I live in. Men, you say 7,000 words a day. 7,000 words a day. Women, 20,000 words a day. Wow. That's impressive. 20,000 words in a day. In a lifetime, you will say 860 million words. Almost a billion. 860 million words you will speak in a lifetime. And think about it. The first couple of years, you didn't say nothing but da-da. More. And then you really got going. And we made up for lost time. 860 million ways to shape the world you're living in. 860 million attempts to use your words to expand and expound, to build up or to tear down, to give life or to destroy with your words. Because we've all been there. We've all had somebody say one thing to us or about us, and it sticks. And even though you eventually pull that thing out, the pain is still there, the poison has gotten in your bloodstream, and it runs through your brain and runs through your mind, and you remember what somebody said about you at 9, 10, 11 years old. And you're a grown adult. Your children are older than that now. But you can go back and remember one word somebody said. That is the power of words. 
That's the power that words have. So when you have 860 million attempts at using them, how are you using them? What are you saying to yourself, about yourself, to your spouse, to your kids, to your employers, to your world, to strangers, to people you don't even know what is coming out of your mouth? Now, I told you that James would bounce around. He would move from here to here in his subjects, in his book, as he was writing all five chapters. And we go through chapter two. This almost finishes up chapter one. We go through chapter two. And then chapter three, he dives in with some really good teaching. So we're going to walk through these 12 verses in chapter three and pull out. What does James have to say about this little three-inch thing that hangs out of my mouth? That's the average size of a tongue, three inches. I think they said it's eight different um, muscles that come together to create the one tongue that's right there. And as he does, he expands on this, and it really blows your mind when you understand the power that I have right there. He said, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, if you can control what you say and you never slip up, it means you're mature or you're healthy. It's a process. It's a maturity thing. It's a place where you can get to a place where you've put a rein on your tongue and you have tamed it down so that you're speaking words that you have control over and self-control, the fruit of the Holy Spirit comes out of your life and is evident oftentimes by what you say, how you say it, and when you say it. But he says that we all mess up. He says we all stumble. We can be in this place, able to keep our whole... If you can just watch your tongue, you can keep your whole body in check. Think about that. So he said, if you can just keep this thing here under control, the rest of your body falls in alignment. Verse 3, we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us. We could turn the whole animal. We could take ships as an example. Although they are large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is such a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. If we measured the size of damage from your tongue, how much damage has been done by those three inches right there between your lips? How much damage has been done that everybody can look back and realize one word either made a day or ruined a day. Yes. One word. You're skipping out of bed in the morning and things are good. Coffee is hot. Traffic didn't bother you. You get to work and one word ruined your day or made your day. Because you may have skipped out of bed, slipped and fell down, hit all the traffic, spilled coffee everywhere, Bad start to the day, and one word flipped everything around. Somebody said, it's so good to see you. I'm glad you're on this team. Wow. One word. But consider, what a great forest is set on fire by such a small spark. We've all made some forest fires, haven't we? The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the body parts. It corrupts the whole body 
sets the course of one's life on fire. You thought I was lying when I said your words shape your world. James said your words set the course for your life. Your words set course for your life and in itself is set on fire by hell. And some of y'all wonder why your life looks like hell. It's because you're speaking that out into existence and then you're seeing yourself live out what you said. Man, why am I always broke? Why does things not get better? Why does it get from bad to worse? Oftentimes, it's because of what you're saying. I can't catch a break. You need to understand to not be so careless with what you're saying and learn to control your tongue. It will navigate your life. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And if this was a self-help talk, I'd just stop there and say, sorry about your luck. Do your best. Let's go home. But the fact is this. What is humanly impossible for us is divinely possible with God. So James doesn't leave us out on the edge going, oh, well, I guess that's just it. I guess I just have to figure out how I could be my most positive self the rest of my life. No, no, no. No, your best positive self is not going to get you far. It's still going to fall way short. It helps to be positive, but my positivity comes by strength of the Holy Spirit because of what he's done in my past. I can be positive. My future looks good. Imagine that. We can tame a lion. A lion can bring mass destruction cause a lot of harm and hurt. We can tame a dog. I got a dog at home. It's cute. This morning, walked out the bedroom through the kitchen. He's got a kennel right there. He's so smart and tame, I didn't have to tell him to go to his kennel. He knew it was time that we were leaving. He ran to his kennel, sat down. It's like, that's a tame dog. That dog, untamed, is filled with rabies. Vicious. One bite could send poison through your body into your brain and kill you. But we can tame a dog like that so that we can live with him. He can get in my bed and cuddle. I can trust him with my little four-year-old to not be hurt. He is tamed. But this tongue caused way more damage. Poisonous. It's restless. It's looking for evil poison to deliver. Verse 9, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Ouch, that hurts. And it's worth reading again. With the tongue, we praise God. And with the same tongue, we curse humans who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and curses. And my brothers and sisters, this should not be. And I like it that James doesn't speak in riddles here. He makes it very clear. You can't use the same tongue to worship God on Sunday and curse somebody on Monday. Yeah. Be mean to somebody on Tuesday. Speak down to somebody on Wednesday. Yeah. Wipe somebody off the face of the earth on Friday because it's the end of the week and you've had enough. And back to Sunday again. Oh, Jesus, thank you for my life. And you look around your life and you wonder why you can't catch a break. 
Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, and he gives us three questions. Can a fig bear olives? Fig tree bear olives. Can a grapevine bear figs? And then he answers the first one. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You can either be a little salty or you can be refreshing. But you can't be both. Because our tongue is so toxic. Our tongue can be so challenging. So let me give you three points about the tongue. First one, write this down. You should be taking notes. Words can be a powerful weapon. They can change environments. They can destroy relationships. They can build up hope. They can tear down confidence. Proverbs 18, I was just browsing through the book of Proverbs looking for one scripture, and as I read the whole chapter, seven different verses came out and as they did, they all speak about the tongue. Listen to them. Verse 4, the, mouth of the, the words of the mouth are deep waters, but the fountain of wisdom is a rushing stream. Speaking wisely is refreshing and life-giving. It's almost like you give somebody a glass of fresh water when you speak over them the wisdom and counsel of God. Verse 6, the lips of fools bring strife, and their mouth invites a beating. Ooh, how many of y'all know somebody been punched in the mouth more than once because of what they said? <laughs> Smacked in the mouth, slapped in the mouth, got themselves in trouble because of the mouth. Yep. Things would have been over and done. Situation concluded. We're all walking away peacefully. And they got to get one more word in. <laughs> one more jab. Have to have the last say. And it says fools have taken a beating on their mouth because of it. <clears throat> Verse 7. The mouth of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. A snare is that hidden trap. It's that trap that's hidden underneath the, the, the foliage and the, and the leaves so that the bear, the wolf, steps into it. It's a snare. It's hidden. No, they don't want it to be seen. And when it does, that's what words are like. All of a sudden, you're pulled into it, and the enemy lures you in to speaking and saying something. I wish I had. It's a hidden snare, and our lives have been undone because of it. Verse 8, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. Oh, that's supposed to taste real good. I like that, them little chocolates. You know those little, um, the little variety pack of chocolates that you get sometimes? It's got the two or three nobody wants in there, but there's a couple of them that are really good. Yeah. Life is like a box of chocolates. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, that's what gossip is like. Oh, here's a variety pack. What do you want to talk about today? Who do you want to talk about today? What do you want to talk about them about? And when you're pulled into that, it's like, oh, this one tastes good. Oh, that sounds great. But watch what he says, because God doesn't like gossips. They go down to the innermost parts. When you listen or speak gossip, it gets down in your heart. It is not something that you can brush off. The Bible says gossip is like a morsel that's sweet and you enjoy it and it goes down deep and whatever is deep inside of us will eventually come out of us. Gossip damages people. Did you hear about Bob? Hear about what Bob's going through? Church, we're really good at this. Let's pray for Sue. Sue needs prayer. Let me tell you why. And you think you're fooling somebody because you're able to disguise it with prayer language, little Christian talk. God knows the heart. 
You can't fool God. You may fool me. You may fool somebody else. When you gossip in the world of let's pray for somebody, it's good to pray for people. Of course we want to pray for people. But you better have your heart in the right place when you ask for prayer for somebody because God knows the heart and sees it. I hate gossip too. If anybody has ever been the victim of gossip, you know how much you hate it as well. It is something that will destroy and bring division and damage people across the board. There is no room for gossip in the church, in Christ's body. It is not tolerated. God has made it, makes it very clear. We cannot have, a room, have room for this. Verse 13, to answer before listening is folly and shame. You open your big mouth again because you got to be heard more than you want to listen. James said, be, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Verse 20, from the, mouth, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled, and with the harvest of their lips, they're satisfied. The right words at the right moment are like a good meal. They can fill you up. They can change your countenance starving and hungry and you feel down and you got that hangry attitude about you and your stomach is growling, wants to eat a hole out of your back because it's so hungry, you get a good meal and you're like, it's all I needed. I just needed to eat. Sometimes you just need to hear something good. Sometimes you need to say something good. It's like having something spoken over you that brings that countenance change to you. And verse 21, this is the one I was looking for. I saw those other ones. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. There will always be consequences for what we say, good and bad. And we've all seen the pain, the frustration, the disgust because of what comes out of our mouth. Secular scientist Dr. Andrew Newberg from Thomas Jefferson University said this, a single word has the power to influence the expression of genes that regulate physical and emotional stress. Sometimes the stress in your life is there because of the words you've spoken. Sometimes the stress in your life is there because of the words others have spoken. And if you feel like you walk in and you feel stressful when you go around that person, you may need to either wear earplugs that are noise canceling or find a new friend. Because it's actually creating stress to your physical and emotional parts of your body. And too many people have a toxic tongue. Too many people have toxic tongues that do so much damage. Let me give you a couple examples of a toxic tongue. The first one is a gossiping tongue. I talked about that. It brings destruction, damage, and division. It's toxic. If you find yourself struggling with this, I'll give you a solution in a minute. But you can't stay there. Number two, it's a complaining tongue. A complaining tongue is toxic. It's hot outside. Oh, it's going to be one of those days. You live in Houston. Maybe you chose it. Maybe you didn't. But here's where you lay. Stop complaining about how hot it is. Because when you complain about how hot it is, it's easy to complain about everything else. Complain about dinner. Complain about food. Complain about meals. Complain about church. The music's too loud. The music's not loud enough. The preacher was good with this week. Not this week. Oh, they don't have any small groups for me. We find something to complain about often Often, I was at a baseball game yesterday. We went down to the Astros game, Tara and I and her sister and brother. Just a little couple's date down the Astros game. Great seats, 11 rows off the field. 
Not so bad. Out behind third base. Guess who found something to complain about? <laughs> I'm in an Astros game with my wife on a date. Love my kids, but no kids. Eleven rows off the field. They're winning. Oh, wish I could see that part of the field. I can't see over there. I don't know what happens if the ball goes there. Oh, these seats, oh, you know, you'd think they'd put more. It's so easy to slide into complaining about a situation and not realizing, I am just excited to be here right now. Yeah. Complaining, toxic verbal pollution to your environment. Another toxic tongue, carelessness. Careless with your mouth. Oh, I had an ant. And this ant, she, she's the heaven now. She, would, she was one of those people that she would let you know what your physical fitness was. She felt the need to always inform everyone of how fit they were. And nobody's fit enough, including her. And nobody, like it was just, you could go to visit like, hey, I'm here and you're hanging out. And she would just let you know, looks like you gained a few pounds. Just careless with our words, not realizing that there could be so many different reasons that that would be the case. Guess what? I know. I've been informed. But we can be so careless because it's, oh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. I was just putting that out there. I didn't know if you would know. Listen, this verse really got me. When I read this years ago, this verse right here, it really shook me. Proverbs 26, 18 says this, a maniac shooting flaming arrows. Pick up a bow and arrow, light it on fire, and shoot it out. Shoot flaming arrows out is like somebody who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. How many of y'all know somebody that likes to follow up what they say with, I was only joking? Oh, I was only joking about that. I didn't mean that. Yes, you did. You said it for a reason. And it's like walking around shooting a flaming, not just an arrow, it's on fire. You're going to burn down situations and people, not just cause death and destruction by your jokes. When you're careless with your words, and I used to be so careless about this because I'd say something and then try to package it nice with a cherry on top and be like, I was only joking. And I realized what I was actually doing. Carelessness. But you can have a tame tongue. You can have a toxic tongue. You can have a tame tongue. What does a tame tongue look like? It looks like it has compliments. Complimentary tongue. Much different than flattery. Flattery is not healthy for any of us. But it's a complimentary tongue. It speaks to the godly character and creation about somebody. It speaks to how they're improving their lives. It speaks to what they're doing that, man, really encourages you. It's complimentary. You can change environments, situations, days, moments. You can change everything if you'll compliment. So just find the right word at the right moment to say to somebody. A tame tongue looks like encouragement. It's an encouraging tongue. Here's what's funny about the word encouragement. It actually means to put in courage. 
to add courage, to put in courage. So when you are encouraging somebody, you're actually taking courage and placing it inside of them because you don't know what they're walking through. Or you may. You don't know what they're facing. Or you might. But either way, you're encouraging them that no matter what they're going through, you're using your tongue to place courage in them to go through it, to deal with it, to figure it out. It builds people up. I don't need people in my life who are going to beat me down. I need people who are going to build me up. I don't need to be somebody in life that beats people down with my tongue. I need to be somebody that builds people up. Paul said in Ephesians 4, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Are you saying things that are building people up? A tame tongue looks like this. It corrects in love. You can say something in truth and you can wrap it in grace and love. It guides your speech. You don't filter it through anger, resentment, and bitterness. You don't shade it inside of, uh, you don't put it inside of shades of like, uh, well, I really think you do great at this. And then you kind of mask it with some type of frustration you have towards the person. Or maybe you just boldly let them know. But there are situations that need to be corrected. But there is a correct way to correct. It's in love. It's filtered through love. Why? Because our words are a weapon. Number two, your words reveal who you really are. And we say, I don't know where that came from. Pastor James, I don't know where that came from. I said it and I don't know where it came from. I'll tell you where it came from. Because it's important that we understand we know where it came from, where it comes from. Here's your test. You go home tonight, one night this week, get out of bed in the middle of the night, the house is dark, walk through the house, and bang that little toe on the outside on a chair, on a table. And count the three and see what comes out of your mouth. That's what's in your heart. Your heart determines what comes out of your mouth. Your heart gives your tongue the information to say. Your heart is what is inside of you that is really, your tongue is revealing what your heart is feeling. the right words out, you can figure out everything else in your body. So that means you got to figure your heart out. Jesus said this. These are the words of Jesus. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. You make good deposits and you're able to pull good things out. But an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up that he deposited in himself. So I tell you, everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word you've spoken. Ouch! I feel bad for the angel keeping the book on Dave. There will be an account for the words I've said. 
For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. What is Jesus saying? Your words are the reflection of your heart. If it was just sarcasm. No, no. It's a jaded heart. That's just joking. No, it's a jaded heart. That word came from somewhere deep down, and you need to do the hard work of figuring out why. Toxic tongues reveal toxic hearts. So let me give you a little bit of a, you should write these down. I worked hard on these. At least make me think you're writing them down. If you have a harsh tongue, you have an angry heart. If you have a harsh tongue, ask yourself, do I have an angry heart? Who hurt you? What issues have you ha- do you have unresolved? What trauma what has been suppressed? What grief are you carrying in your heart that makes your tongue so harsh? Number two, if you have a negative tongue, you have a sad heart. It's hard to see joy in anything because negativity is the lens you look through. Your heart is just so sad. I feel for people that look through the lens of negativity because I realize they're really deep down sad at heart. And I want you to know if that's you, you can have the joy of the Lord be your strength. It's not denying the circumstances around us. It's choosing to look at them through the lens of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to filter my words through the joy in here that circumstances can't touch or change that the exterior might have chaos going on, but what's on the interior is the peace I feel from God. And that will be revealed by what I say. Number three, if you have a boasting tongue, you have an insecure tongue. Know somebody bad, brags a lot, boasts a lot. You make 40000 a year, I make forty-five. I just got a raise. It's a boasting tongue. It's insecurity. It's an insecurity that you have inside of you because you're not sure what your purpose is. You're not walking in the calling God has for you. My security is found in who he is to me, not in what I can do. Number four, you have a filthy tongue, always saying inappropriate stuff. That's just how my mind thinks, Pastor. You have an impure heart. Your heart's dirty. It's had damage done to it in the purity section. And it needs to be cleansed and made clean and washed over. Number five, you have a critical tongue, you have a bitter heart. It attacks anything good that happens to other people, boldly or passively. A critical tongue that comes along with a passive aggressive sense or just a bold sense. Number four, I'm sorry, the next one. You have a filthy tongue. Number six. We covered that one. Somebody messed with my notes, y'all. I think it was me. It's like that house you see that's moldy on the inside and pretty on the outside. And you didn't have a mold check done on it. You bought it. And now you're sick living in it. Because what's on the inside will come out of the outside. 
It's easy to make the outside look good. It's what's on your heart that will be revealed with your tongue. So number three, so how can I tame my tongue? I'm not going to leave you helpless. Your words are weapons. Your words reveal who you are. And number three, our words are only controlled with God's help. You can release control of your tongue over to God. James said, we can tame all the animals, but no human can tame the tongue on his own. So do you want a better tongue to talk to your spouse? Do you want to keep tearing down your marriage? Do you want to build up your marriage? Do you want to tear down your kids? Do you want to build up your kids? Do you want to tame the tongue? Then you must ask for God to help you control it. Listen, this is a really good prayer to pray. Every day, Psalm 141.3, set a guard over my mouth. Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. Set a guard over my mouth and keep a door over my lips. Watch it. Watch what you say. Keep watch over my lips. There's a man in the Bible named David. David is king. David was known to sin. We have multiple sins committed by a great king of Israel recorded for us to read about, learn from. David would commit these sins. But the reason why the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart was because when he sinned and messed up, as James said, many of us messed this thing up, was because he would have this heart that was always turned towards God. And he uttered these words in Psalm 51, verse 10. He said, created me a pure heart, O God. He realizes at the core of his sin and problems is his heart. He says, created me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not, whatever you do, God, don't cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Put the joy back in my heart that the world can't touch and grant to me a willing spirit to sustain me. What's he asking for? A clean heart. Why? Listen, verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that the sinners turn back to God. When you give me a clean heart, I'll use my tongue for good purposes, to bless people. David realized his sin was great. He messed up often. But at the core of it all was his heart being toxic. So he said, God, create me a clean heart. And when you do, I will teach people the goodness that you have, that just as I have turned back to you, they can too. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, for you are my God and Savior. My tongue will sing of your righteousness. Why do we sing every service? Because I know who I was and I know who I am without him. So I use my tongue because it's powerful, because it creates the world I live in. It frames the space that I have right here. So I use my tongue to proclaim so I don't forget. So everybody knows what you see is not because of me. It's fully because of him. So David said, I'm, he was a psalmist. He was a musician. He said, I'm going to sing of your righteousness. What is righteousness? It's you putting me in good standing with you. It's me doing nothing on my own except saying, creating me a clean heart. Our righteousness is like filthy rags 
the best you can do on your best day comes way short for God. But when you turn your heart towards him and say, give me a clean heart, he gives you his righteousness to cover you. And that's what you sing about. That's what you rejoice about. Verse 15, look at that. Three different ways. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. The tongue must be tamed. The tongue must be tamed in your life and in mine. And if we don't get this right, if we don't get this right, James implores us, if you don't, your whole life will be steered towards the enemy's plans. Would you stand with me this morning? I don't know anybody that this does not apply to. If you feel exempt from that this morning, my apologies. But I know each one of us struggle with this. Each one of us had the ability to curse our situations or to bless them, to bring life or to bring death, to build up or to tear down. So what are you doing with your mouth, with your tongue, with your lips, with that little three inches you have right here that steers the ship of your life, that guides you wherever you go? Would you pray with me this morning? close your eyes and look in your heart. Look in your heart. Do you have a toxic heart? Is there a part of your heart that is toxic? It's bitter, it's hurt, damaged, unresolved, it's grieving, it's sad, it's lonely. If you're lonely this morning, you are not invisible in this place. I said, if you walked in here feeling unnoticed, you are not invisible to us you are not invisible to God. He sees you. And that loneliness in your heart can be healed and can be filled with his presence and relationships and community in this church. Is your heart just not pure? There's parts of it that you allow the enemy to get into with lust, greed, darkness that's coming out of your mouth and you wonder why you're saying that. You need your heart to be purified again. Only God can do that. reveals the condition of your heart. So right now, in this moment, just have a conversation with God. What do you need? What part of your heart needs to be healed, touched, cleansed, so that your tongue will produce and show what God's done on the inside? I'll give you a second. Just process through that with God. Got this part of my heart right here. thank you this morning that you're so good to us. God, that we would be hopeless and helpless without the Holy Spirit. That you have given us the ability not what's inside of us, but by the word that has been planted inside of us to receive it, to condition it, to allow it to germinate and bring life So let the words that you have spoken over people today be planted in good soil. The soil of your hearts will determine whether or not this word takes, lands, and builds up, or if you discard it and walk away from it. 
God, give us the ability to receive your word into our hearts. I want to pray with you this morning. In just a moment, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come down and pray with anybody that would like prayer, like to receive prayer. But maybe this morning you say, David, where do I start? The place that you start is the place we all start. It's a place of salvation. It's a place of saying, Jesus, come into my life. Become my Savior, my Lord. It's a simple yet significant decision that we all must make. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, you'll be saved. You see how God uses the heart condition and the tongue to work together to bring salvation into your life. This is the only hope any of us have to spend eternity with God. Discover our purpose here on earth and live out every day like it matters. And if that's you today, I want to pray with you. I'd love to have a moment right here. I'm not going to embarrass you, call you down front. I just want to pray with you where you are. It's a private, personal decision. And you'll get to go public with it next week. Be baptized in water if you want. But right now in your seat, across this room, we're going to pray this prayer. From my right to left, those watching online, say this prayer out loud. Confess it with your mouth, but leave it in your heart. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash my heart clean. Purify my heart. I confess you as Savior and Lord over my life. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me new life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, people. Love on God a little bit. Just celebrate Him in this moment.